It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hello, this is Doug here. Hey, I'm, I'm snowed in this week up here in the, the northern part of the state of Washington. So I'm phoning in a little preparation for you for the show today. You'll be listening to a message about what I thought of friendship factor. I was friends her. I was in the studio, and he, and he said, hey, I've got this message. I wish you'd give it again on air. And I said, well, send it to me. And I pulled out the notes, and I thought, my goodness, why do it on the air again? Let's just play the tape. This was pretty good. So I hope you enjoy the show today in that it's a message shared a, uh, a while back, and it will give you some really great information on how to be a great friend led by Jesus. Well, healthy relationships have about five characteristics. One, they usually involve peers. In other words, there's usually not a friendship if one person is superior to another. And that's one of the breakdowns that happens. Two, most good relationships have a win-win quality to them. In other words, it's good for both people. It's not just good for one, it's good for both. Healthy relationships are built upon mutual respect. So they're peer-related, they're equals in other words. They're win-win in quality. They have mutual respect. Good friends respect one another. Fourth, I like to consider good friendships as being non-addictive or non-dependent relationships. You're able to differentiate lives. I get worried when someone gets too dependent upon even a husband or wife. Because that can be a bondage. And it's really awful when it's a friend. And, and, they, and they're, they're literally is an ultra-dependence upon one another. Mutual interdependence is very healthy. But where one is actually addicted to the other and they they're so dependent upon the other just to get through life, that is not healthy because it needs to be a win-win as iron sharpens iron kind of relationship the Bible talks about. And finally, uh, <clears throat> good friendships don't replace uh, weak structures, the, the weak, weak networks in your life. For example, good friendships can never replace your relationship with your father, with your, your mother, with, with your wife or husband, or with God. If you have a friend relationship that somehow is satisfying a need that only God can meet, it really will be a corrupted relationship. Your relationship network must be, must be sound all the way around, and no relationship can usurp on the other without there being problems that arise. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later on. Tonight, I want to talk about how to succeed at being yourself. And in that, as you discover how to succeed at being yourself, how to be your own best friend. There's an, an old rabbinic parable of a man named Zuska who was really worried because he just wasn't measuring up to the status of Moses or any of the other great rabbinical leaders. And he was in prayer, and, and as the tradition goes, an angel come to him and said, Why do you fret and worry, Zuska? You will never be judged as to why you weren't Moses, or why you weren't Jeremiah, or Isaiah. All you will be asked is this. Why weren't you Zuska? And I've always liked that parable because it says it so clearly. All of us here won't be judged as to why we didn't live up to anybody else's calling in the Lord or fulfill anybody else's personality. All we're going to be asked is, why weren't you you? Isn't that an interesting question? Why weren't you you? Does anybody here every once in a while find yourself not being you? Yes. Oh, last time I played golf, I wasn't me at all. I'm a lot better than that. <laughs> but we... We, we have a way of getting diverted from what is truly us. And we really, some of us secretly believe the world would be better off with two of somebody else and one less of us. And that's sad. And what Paul's getting across here in this section that deals with practical Christian living, he's already talked about doctrine, he's dealt with prophecy. Now he gets down to practical 
uh, Christian living, and he says, basically, you better be rightly related to yourself. In subsequent chapters, he's going to talk about how to be rightly related to one another. But in this chapter, he's talking about how to succeed at being yourself. And he really is pretty concerned. Because he sees that unless this multi-member, this variegated expression of who God is, unless all of us express who we are, he sees Christ's mission as being incomplete on this planet. And that is a frightening thought to this great apostle who saw the whole world coming to Jesus. And he gets us right down to focus. And here's going to give us, and I encourage you, they're going to have it on the overhead behind me. I would encourage you, if you're a note taker, and you really ought to be, most spiritual people are, um, if you list these, there'll be something you may want to meditate on because these will be ways you can succeed at being yourself. Number one, Paul says, present yourself as an act of worship. You are really God's icon. Now, think about that a moment. That just when you and I are just being us, (laughs) he's going to help us there. Never mind. Um, think about it. If, if that, that means this. When Paul says, present yourselves, and that's literally what the Greek reads. Present yourself. Uh, what, what he means by this is that when we are truly ourselves, just being us is an act of worship. Isn't that incredible? You guys are all caught fascinated with the high tech around here. Just being you is an act of worship. Just presenting you every day is an act of worship. Because we were created in His image. God's image. So when you look at us, we are icons of what God is. Now, that's one of the first steps. To succeed at being yourself, you've got to realize that when God made you, He made you so just you being you causes Him to be worshipped on planet Earth. That's why abortion is such a horrendous thing. And we could argue all day whether that little baby is a fetus... uh, the composite of a massive tissues or a living being, and it makes no difference. To me, that argument, I'm convinced anyway, and I'm, I'm preaching, so I must be right. I'm convinced <laughs> that that is, that is a human being. At the point of conception, we have a human being. Even if maybe we cannot scientifically prove that, and it probably can't be proved scientifically, there are some truths that go beyond science. We forget that in the 20th century. But there may not be able to be proved, but I'll tell you what you can be convinced of. <laughs> Did they finally get it right? You can be convinced of this, that there is at least the potential of a living being created in God's image. And is it our place to destroy the potential of God being worshipped in another life? And everybody else around you may not want you, may not like you. Your parents maybe even said they wished you weren't around. You may have had a brother or sister who said they hated your guts and you messed up the family when you came. And you've lived with this subtle kind of self-esteem attack that goes maybe back to your very early years. And you need to just pause for a moment and realize that God wanted you here. And the fact that you're here means that He's being worshipped. And that's what Paul says. We've got to realize we've been called to express ourselves as acts of worship and praise unto God just by being who we are. The way we are, our intelligence hey, I've got friends who've got outlandish IQs. Outlandish IQs. They intimidate the socks off me. But I've discovered something. They can't know God any better than I can. That's an interesting discovery. They may know a lot more facts about Him, but they don't know Him. They can't know Him any better than I do. I I really wish that someone came up the other day and said, hey, you remind me of Brian Dunahee. I I always thought Brian Dunahee is this kind of overweight, chunky guy in movies. I'm... I went home and I looked in the mirror and I said, damn, someone said I look like Brian Dunning. She said, boy, you know you do. You really do. And I, you know, I, I would like to be you know, a, little, a little more disciplined. But 
and it isn't going to happen. So, I'm going to be me. God likes me. He likes redhead. David was a redhead. Jesus was a redhead. Never no, know. I don't know. Like no, Jesus definitely probably had black hair. But David did have red hair. Uh, I've got red hair. That's enough. And whatever hair you've got, however tall you are, God sees you as the way you are as a fulfillment of His desire to be worshipped through you. Secondly, this passage, He'll show us that being successful at being yourself is number two. Number two, it's coming. There we go. Is that you know yourself from the inside out, not from the outside in. What did He say? Don't be what? Conformed, but be what? Transformed how? By the renewity of your mind. And what He's saying is, to be successful at being who God has called you to be, at being your best friend, you've got to realize that the real you is discovered from the inside out. There's so much pressure in our culture to think that being sophisticated or finding who you are is going to come from the inside out. The right car, the right clothes, the right vocabulary, the right sophistication, and you're going to really discover who you are. No, Paul says that you'll discover who you really are from the inside out. All the accruements to your life don't mean beans in terms of identifying who you are unless it comes from the inside out. And so he says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by agreeing with God's will. Thirdly, I put up there, you can be successful at being yourself by believing that God's destiny for you is able to be known. And, And I think that's pretty essential. That we believe. You have to have the belief that God's will for your life can be known. That you really can know His destiny. How many of you ever once in a while believe that you probably will miss most of what God has in mind for you? Every once in a while, not tonight, but every once in a while you just kind of sit around with the subtle fear. I want you to raise your hand. Because that's, I really, I want you to raise your hand. I'm serious about this. This is not one of those flippant things where I need a little affirmation. I want you to lift your hand. Because that, that is a diabolic, satanic attack on every one of us. Knowing God's will is easy. And God has promised we will adhere to and fulfill our destiny as we live in Jesus Christ. Don't try to play outside yourself or beyond yourself. But believe that you can know exactly what God's destiny is for you. Paul says that you can know if you live from the inside out. He says you can know what God's perfect will is for you. You really can know. And if you believe that, it'll happen. Let me tell you how you can help us with the show. Uh, It does take some resources. We have some generous people who've stepped up and helped us out with a great deal of it. But if you would like to support us, what we have is an offer uh, this month for any who help us financially. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness, a great book by Jamie Buckingham. And the reason I've chosen this book is, one, Jamie was one of my dearest friends. And I think this is one of the finest books ever written on the Exodus Crossing. It is loaded with tremendous insights that you rarely find anywhere else. And it's a great book. I'm, I'm going to send it to you for whatever gift you can give to help us stay on the air. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness. All you have to do is you can do one of three things. You can either uh, go to our PayPal, which is Doug Murin at PayPal. Leave your address. The book will go out to you. Or you can send any size contribution to Caught on Tape or just Doug Murin to 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, W-E-N-A-T-C-H-E-E, Washington. Get this. Here's the zip. 98801. 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, Washington. 
Send any size gift with your address. I'll get the book out to you. Or you can go to our website, which is DougMurinRadio.com. DougMurinRadio.com. And you can follow the donation section. And I'll make sure you get that book. It's a tremendous book. Not only will you help me, but I know I'm going to get to help you with this book. So God bless you. We do thank you for your support. If you would like a live radio show outreach at your church, just contact us at any of those numbers. Uh, my email is doug.murin at gmail.com. doug.murin at gmail.com. And we are starting to do some outreaches. I'm not doing a lot of them, but we are starting to do one. I hope you'll enjoy the show, and God bless you, and thank you for your generosity. Okay, back to the message on Friendship Factor. Thanks for helping us all you can on advancing uh, what we're beginning to start is not just radio, but also some evangelism training in churches. All the support you can lend really helps a lot. But this message, I hope, uh, helps penetrate some new understanding to do today. God bless you as you continue to listen. How many of you play golf here, at least to watch idiots hit those things around up there? You know, you can get up there, can't you? and you can try to hit the ball so hard that you're, you, do, you end up duffing it. It really, why? Because you're trying to play beyond your created limits, and and sometimes we miss we miss being successful who we are because we frankly try to play beyond who we are. We need to accept the fact that we have limits, we have potential, we have talents that God has given us, and there are limits to that. Um, I learned that as as a speaker at the conferences, which I don't do very many of these days. But I first few I went out there, I, I decided I had to be Billy Graham first shot out, you know. And, and then I got up there, and I was like, I'll never forget preaching to 1,200 preachers. Well, you know, when you've been a preacher, you've heard a lot of preaching. You know, I mean, I mean you've been saved for 20 years. You've heard more preaching than you probably ought to. But, but I stood up, and I realized I had this horrendous thought that no how no matter how effective I was on this particular evening, everybody there had heard somebody more effective. And as hard as I tried, I wasn't going to impress them. But, so you know what I did? I tried to impress them. And, I, and it just bombed. Nothing happened. God didn't do anything in, in any of them. Nothing. Nothing happened. It was an absolute waste of time for everybody there. Even God. And I, and I walked off and I was so disappointed and the host was trying to be so nice. And, you know, you know when someone's being sincere because when you really do good, they're just so awe-stricken and wiped out by God. They, they, just, they just... But when you did real bad, they just go overboard telling you, boy, that was, that was really, really, Doug, Trump, you really, you just really... And I want to say, cut the crap. It stunk. Let's go home. And, 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 and as we were walking out of there, God said something in, in my heart. He spoke right in my heart. He said... You, you tried to go beyond who you are. And just who you are is enough. And if you'd just been you, I would have been me, and that'd been fine, but you tried to be both of us, and I couldn't even get in there. <laughs> so don't go beyond yourself. Don't try to be anybody. Don't try to... If you have a certain measure of faith, don't try to have more. If, if you can prophesy at a certain level, don't try to prophesy higher. If, if, you, if it's really hard for you... To, 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 to really express your faith boldly and loudly, then, then do whatever, whatever you feel the Lord has taken you to at that point. And you know what? You're going to be phenomenal at being successful, at being who you are. And we need you. Five, be fair to yourself. Be fair to yourself. And I, and I, would, I would analyze it this way. 
be sober about your self-evaluation. Remember Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself, but think sober about your judgment about yourself. Well, what he means by this is think with some sort of humility. In fact, the Greek suggests the idea of be objective. You know, don't think too much of yourself. Don't get in the braggadocious range. But on the other hand, think objectively about who you are. Be fair to yourself. Sometimes sit down and say, this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm bad at. I'm, I'm discovering as I walk on in the Lord and as the church has grown, we've got whole supervisory teams and management teams that do a lot of stuff I've had to admit I can't do real well. And I've concluded that that's okay. That, that I, I'm, I'm just me and, and I'll be sober about my evaluation. I'm going to be fair to myself and I'm going to go on. Don't be brutal on yourself. In other words, if you're going to go out and learn to uh, play basketball... Don't watch videos of Michael Jordan day in and day out and wonder why you can't play as good as him. You never will. You never will. Same way spiritually. Don't try to get out there and be stronger than you are. Be fair to yourself. Don't put yourself under the gun. Next one, six. Know who you are and aren't. That's pretty important. Sometimes the way we discover who we are is by walking through who we really aren't. Which discover your gifts and excel in them. Here's what I like to say. Somebody every once in a while will say, well, I really don't know what I'm called to do. And I have two questions I ask them. What do you really enjoy doing? And they'll, they'll tell me. I say, okay, you've been in the Lord for, probably if you've been in the Lord six months, you haven't really been in the Lord long enough to begin to assess your spiritual gifts. You could probably tell your basic passions and inclination, though, at that point. And you've been in the Lord, and I'll ask somebody, what is it that you do? You just really get excited. And someone will say, well... When, when, I, when I get to sing with the singing team up here, I, I tell you, I just feel like I'm in heaven. And, and I'll say, well, well, then that's probably you. Where, where don't you feel good? Well, boy, you know, I tried to help out in the junior high class, and I got in front of those kids, and I, boy, it, they scared me, and I, I understand that. And uh, they scare me too. You don't see me over there. And, uh, and, and I'll say, you know, that probably means that you, you, you probably are graced by God in the dimension of worship. Why don't you take that inclination, passion, and now excel at it? Just liking it isn't enough. Discover who you are, then excel at it. Find what you like and become real good at it. And the next thing I'll ask somebody is they'll say, well, I don't know what to do with my life. And I'll say, what would you do? And I'm going to ask you this question tonight, and I'm going to ask you to go home and write it down this week. What would you do if you had all the money and all the time in the world? What if I told you tonight that there was a benefactor in this congregation and he had written me a letter and he gave me your name and he had more money than he could ever spend. He had billions and he deposited so much money in an account that you couldn't ever spend it all and he told me to give it to you and told me to do whatever was in your heart to do. What would you go do? That'd tell a lot about you, won't it? But uh, you can discover what you, what you are called to be and who you are by what you would do with, with the opportunities the Lord would bring you. Seven. Let's go on a little quickly. We're almost done here. Seven. The whole you is never found in isolation. You are your community of relationship. In other words, he's saying, he's saying some have the gift of encouragement. If you have it, encourage. If you have the gift of giving, then give. If you have the gift of leadership, then do it. If you have the gift of prophesying, do it within your measure of faith. Now, the reason I put that up there is often we don't realize that we are none of us complete by ourselves. The, the network of friendships that the Lord brings around us are a reflection of ourselves. And in fact, we all become very much the composite of all the relationships we've ever had. Come on, can, can't some of you remember, uh, let's hear some of their names. Who was your favorite grade school teacher? 
Somebody name one or two of them. Miss Anderson. How many had a Miss Anderson? I had Miss Anderson. Okay, Miss Miss Bell. Okay, Mrs. Markowitz or whoever he said. What'd you say? <laughs> Mrs. Marker. Right, my, my favorite one was Mrs. Batty. We used to call her Batty behind her back, and I, but she was good. She was. And but you know why do we remember grade school teachers? Can, how many can remember your best friend from junior high? Yeah, my best friend. You. Do you say, You know, have you ever? Have any of you seen your best friend from junior high lately? It's amazing how old and large they've gotten. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, what, what, is it, what am I saying? We are the composite of relationships we've had. You can't be whole in and of yourself. You literally are the people you hang out with. That's what we tell our, our, our kids. You, you are who you hang out with. You, you become what your relationships are. Invest wisely in it. And, frankly, the real you is being discovered as you relate to people in a fellowship basis, too. You is being discovered as you enter into fellowship. The word koinonia means to share the complete you, the real you with others. Eight. We're almost done. Grace equals the joy of God's identity being revealed through you. Now, why is that important? Well, you want to realize that as you are being you, God is being himself through you. That's why he talks about you've all been given grace. We've all been given grace. The enablement to express God's identity. And finally, nine... In this chapter, we learn that you're not supposed to think about yourself too much. I've got two verses here. Look at verse 10. It says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And what are we supposed to do? Honor what? One another above yourselves. In verse 14, another verse says, Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. I don't know what that has to do with. I must be 16. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. And the point that I'm making there is you literally can think about yourself way too much. In fact, thinking about yourself too much can be downright depressing. How many have discovered that? And the way to discover yourself isn't just to think about yourself all the time. And, and those are nine ways to be successful at, at being who you are. They're right here in this chapter. If you walk through them and think about them and meditate on them, I think they'll be very helpful. Let me close tonight as we conclude this session on being your own best friend with some application and with six things, if you're a note taker further, that are not on the overhead. These are six things that are enemies to you expressing the true you. I'd like you to think about them. I'm convinced of this after pastoring 18 years now. I've been a pastor 18 years, and I've watched people be tripped up and being really happy with themselves and being able to express themselves with self-confidence and with, with a certain kind of uh, fortitude and and to achieve a certain amount of joy from living. Uh, these six things are the enemies to us befriending ourselves. Number one is negative self-talk. Negative self-talk. And what do I mean by that? I mean, well, you literally berate yourself constantly. Where, where in your mind you've got tapes that are just putting you down constantly. Two, poor health management can keep you from being really happy with yourself. If you don't stay in shape or you don't eat right. Poor health management can make you feel real bad. It's a self-esteem killer. And self-esteem is important. If Paul, that's what Paul's talking about. Chapter 12 is a chapter on being successful, being you. It's having esteem for who God made you to be. And if you aren't your own best friend, you're not going to be anybody else's best friend. Poor self-talk. Poor health management. You can feel real down about yourself if you're run down. Three, poor self-imaging. What I mean by that is if you just imagine yourself failing all the time. It's kind of a crumb bump. 
You're going you're gonna to develop self-fulfilled prophecies. Four, confusion about your body. Confusion about your body. Boy, in our culture, we worship no wrinkles and real skinny. And the body does an amazing thing. It wrinkles and grows like a pear. And we're in trouble. And we've got to get over that. Confusion about your body. It salts your self-esteem. Five, unearned or earned guilt. Guilt will salt your self-esteem. Unearned guilt, especially. Okay, there's just a lot of things that just aren't your problem. There's a, there's a problem going on right now, and several people are trying to make it my problem. And I told them upstairs, it's not my problem. People are big. I don't feel guilty at all. I don't feel guilty. Not at all. Not at all. One of the greatest things my daddy told me when I got arrested, <laughs> one, he didn't pay for the bail, and the next, then he came to visit me, and he said, you know, son, <clears throat> this is your problem and not mine. And your mother and I are going home and have a good night's sleep in a warm bed, and you enjoy yourself here with your friends. <laughs> I mean, some parents, we've got guilt for your kids. Let them go. It's their problem. It's not yours. Don't, don't have those. If you've got true guilt, get rid of it. Go to Christ. Get forgiven. Go to people. But ask them to forgive you. Sixth, fatigue and overcommitment will assault your self-esteem. really will. Make you feel terrible. Well, I need to conclude. Someone asked Mother T- Teresa how she would measure the, whether she had lived a successful life or not. And how when she started a project, she could tell if she'd really succeeded in achieving her aims or not. I want you to listen to this. Because this is Bible stuff. She said, well, I walk with God. And I think like God thinks. And God doesn't think in those terms of success or failure. She said... I learned a long time ago, the only question God is ever going to ask me is, how much did you love? And that is the question we will all be asked, is how much did we love, not what we did we achieve or what we didn't achieve. I mean, let's think about it. If you built 45,000 skyscrapers, and you had 20 PhDs, and you'd been to the moon 20 times, when you get to heaven, and you see God who made all the universe, how impressive is that going to be? Look at all this stuff, God, and he's going to say, Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. But what is going to impress him is when we say, God, we loved as deeply as you love. Thank you for listening today. As I said, that was a message that was a favorite I, I gave a while back. God bless you. Enjoy your weekend. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com. 